The Society of Economic Geologists is thrilled to be hosting the SEG 2024 conference from the 27th to the 30th of September in Windhoek, Namibia, a country known for its spectacular geology and unique ore deposits. You can find out more at segweb.org slash seg-2024 for all the conference themes, dates, workshops, field trips, and more. Abstracts are now open until the 22nd of April. So come join us in Windhoek for what promises to be a geologic adventure in a country that is leading the way in mineral resource sustainability on the African continent. See you there. Discovery to Recovery, where we bring you geoscience and technology stories from the world of ore deposits. This podcast pairs the expertise of the Society of Economic Geologists and Sequent and explores the conference themes for SEG 2020 Vision, celebrating a century of discovery. You can learn more about the conference at seg2020.org. Your hosts are Nicole Doucette, Sequent, Hallie Keevil, Cobalt Metals, and I'm Ann Thompson, Petroscience Consultants. Wherever you are listening to this, we hope you are well and safe and hope that this podcast series provides some new knowledge, ideas, and stories. You'll get weekly episodes that delve into up-to-date discussions of topics relevant to economic geology, from ore deposit models to data integration, technology, and more. This episode will introduce you to the big themes for the conference, and you'll hear from some of the key theme leaders and the Early Career Professionals Committee about their sessions. The interviews were all conducted in the midst of PDAC last March, which all seems a million years ago now, and our world has certainly shifted in the last few weeks, creating a lot of uncertainty and challenges. However, the conferences ago, whether we gather online or in person, we only get a centenary every hundred years. So one way or the other, prepare for some great geoscience, mineral exploration topics, and thoughts about the future of economic geology. Anyway, I said, you know, when I think about Carlin Gold, you know, people think of these as being somewhat shallow deposits, but when I think about it, I think about how they're being formed. You know, having that picture that made people start thinking about different levels of emplacement of different deposits, and then that evolved into a Lindgren session, and then the sessions became the what they are topical, right? Process related. PDAC provided opportunity to catch up with several of the theme leaders for the SEG 2020 conference in September. Key among them is Jean Klein, our current SEG president. We chatted one morning about the conference and centenary. Jean is Professor Emerite at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, but her career has taken some twists and turns. Started out going to school in Wisconsin and from there went to Arizona where I began working as an exploration geologist for an Arizona company where I actually learned a lot of geology. I was there for 11 years. It was great fun most of the time. But one day I discovered, along with the rest of my colleagues, that the company that we worked for had been bought by another company, and we were all going to be let go in about a month and a half. So the next day I drove to the University of Arizona in Tucson and signed up for graduate school, got a master's degree, looked for jobs for a little while after that, didn't find anything, ended up going to Virginia Tech for a PhD, and from there I fortunately got a job offer which took me back to Nevada back out west. Back to the rocks. Back to the rocks, and but to a university, so which I hadn't really anticipated in my future, but I then spent 25 years teaching and doing research at UNLV, which is actually a great way to spend a good part of your career, I discovered. Fairly recently retired, and I'm still continuing to do geology, a little bit of consulting, the incredible honor that came was the invitation to be president during the 100th anniversary year and be involved in the conference that we have coming up. Yeah, we've had a long history, and I've been exploring some of that myself and I'm trying to put pieces together. And it, there are some very interesting both members and things that have happened over our 100 years in our business and in the society. Yeah, so lots to think, lots to talk about over this coming few months. There absolutely is. Some of the arts society was begun by some of the most famous 
geologists, I remember learning about Emmons. Penrose. Penrose, who, who our medal is named after. My favorite guy, Frederick Ransom. Oh, Ransom, um, of course. Who wrote many professional papers about many of the mining districts. These are U.S. Geologic Survey right. professional papers about um, the mining districts. And many of those papers, geology stands today. Um, now we add a lot more technical data, actually ages of rocks, um, ages of events, and so on, and, and much more geochemistry, as we all know. Um, but the basic geology was fundamental, going back a 100 years in many of those instances at many of those locations. Right. So thinking about the conference, what do you think? is What's going to be exciting about it? So... To me, what's really exciting is that we have sessions that that are about processes. They're not just about topics. They're not just about a particular commodity. Not to say that that doesn't work sometimes and work well. I'm involved in the Lindgren session, and so we are actually looking at deposits and deposit formation based on depth and temperature and that classification that Lindgren put together something approaching a hundred years ago now and which stands today. And and it's really exciting to be able to do that. And that has a relationship to your own work in the Carlin deposits in Nevada? It or does. It does. Resonates with you. It it does, yeah. The deposits actually formed probably at not particularly great de- depths, a few kilometers or so. But the whole process that actually generated the fluids and perhaps magmas, depending on the model that you believe, started much deeper in the crust. So so there was a lot going on at pretty significant depths. Magma fluids were moving up through the crust and, well, lots of different processes went on. But the deposits ended up forming probably a few kilometers deep. That's fascinating. So I hope we hear more about that potentially in September. So what about the rest of the conference is an opportunity for students and early careers as well? Absolutely. I think we've got a bit of a different approach so that the people who will be presenting will be presenting on process and talking about how these systems formed. So there's a real learning opportunity for everyone who attends uh, and we're, we've also made a real effort in selecting our speakers to bring in speakers who will represent diversity in terms of gender, geographic location, uh, topic that they're talking about. And I think, I think those people who attend the conference will, will go away being very impressed at the knowledge level brought in by everyone from student speakers to more senior people who've been involved in deposits for a long time. When I look at the program, I see it as a great opportunity, particularly for industry geologists, to get that wide perspective that process brings you so that we're not training our people to go out and just look for copper because when we do exploration, you don't always find what you think you're going to find. So unless you can observe and record and think about how things are happening you're going to miss opportunities. And so this conference gives to me that sort of perspective so that we can give some different ideas around structure and how to view structure. We can look at the processes of these fluids in in your session and other sessions. And and then we can also give some context of realizing what happened in the past when we didn't, you know, how did these things, big things happened and what happened in our business and how did we adjust or how did we come up with new models. So it's really exciting. And I'm really glad that you're involved and really glad to have you as our leader. Thank you very much. It's it's just an incredible honor to be president this year and, and a heck of a lot of fun, actually, to be involved in planning and putting ideas together and interacting with the membership much more than I've been able to in the past. Enjoyed it. PDAC allowed us to have many in-person meetings, you know, the kind we've almost forgotten how to have, and it was great to meet up with members of the Early Career Professionals Committee over lunch in the midst of a very crowded convention floor cafe.
And there's five here, and I'm going to let them each introduce themselves. And we'll just hear a few things about what the program is going to be in September and then what the committee is doing itself. So, Marae, can you kick us off here? Hi. Yeah, thanks, Anne. So the committee itself, the ECPC, our role is really to bridge the gap between established professionals and early career geologists and geoscientists. And so we partly advise the different committees of the SCG on what the society could do to better help the early career demographic. And we also have a series of programs in place like mentorship, field uh, programs, and also some leadership opportunities if you actually want to take part and volunteer for the ECPC. Yeah, that's what we do. Ray, tell us a little bit more about yourself. (laughs) So about myself, I am a geologist by training. I work for a company, a consulting company called Goldspot Discoveries, and I decided to join the SCG as a volunteer a couple years ago now, and basically to give back to the society because I benefited through my studies. I benefited so much from having a membership, whether it's through the conferences or uh, the different field trips that I got access to. I just felt like it was a great society to join and interact with. And volunteering for the society is an opportunity to give back, but also to make the society a bit more your own. You have room to grow and you have If you have ideas, you can take action and and make them happen, basically. Excellent. Duncan, you've been around for a while on this committee. What's the experience been like for you? Hi, thanks, Anne. Yeah, it's been a very positive experience. And as Marie said, uh, we found SEG really receptive to a lot of the ways that we wanted to engage uh, not just early career professionals, but students as well and help bridge that gap as students try to transition into the workplace. A lot of the uh, programs that we've, tra- we've tried to pursue have been really well received. One of the ones I'm particularly proud of is the early career perspectives pieces that we do in the quarterly magazine where every quarter we basically try and highlight an opinion or uh, a realm of relevant interest that's affecting early career professionals and students alike. A lot of times these reflect industry trends, such as feelings on the recent downturn, diversity and inclusion, women in the workplace, and try and tackle a lot of topics that are really important to uh, early career professionals that maybe don't get highlighted as much on the technical side that the, uh, the society has promoted in the past, but knowing it's equally important right now to today's upcoming geologists. Awesome. So we've got a lot of program, I know, on the, the uh, schedule for 2020 for the early careers. Who can fill me in on what's, what's happening? Maybe Fabian, can you do that? Sure. Yeah, thanks, Anne. So I think for the first time of the ICG conference history, so we've been, uh, the ICG committee give us the key, like young early career professional and students to organize the student and ECP program. So we get the keys of the, uh, the truck, and we try to be build a comprehensive programs. They're going to include like students, early career professionals. We're going to organize a workshop, like a one-day workshop, a cheap workshop, to uh, teach students soft skills, how to lead the expression program, how to lead a team, and how to lead themselves uh, through a career to survive in this mining industry world. And the second day will be uh, there will be some free activities, including uh, some lecture in the morning about the, the role of a, a geologist in the mining industry, what skills a graduate student needs. And the afternoon there will be a round table when I'm going to tackle some big challenges or big questions, unsolved questions from students. And uh, there will there were some opportunities to interact with senior and experienced people from industry, from academia. And we're going to put all those people together at the end for a mentorship program, like a conference body program, like more informal, when they're going to mingle and interact informally and pursue discussions. So we're quite happy like having like, two full days of activities, getting the full support of the organization committee and the SEG, of course. Yes, this year was really a milestone for the organization of the conference because, as Fabian mentioned, it is the first time in the history of SCG conferences that the student and early career events are organized by students and early career professionals. And what we've tried to design here as a program is something that is diverse in nature and activity. And the goal here is really to 
create opportunities for students in early career to connect with industry leaders and established professionals, opportunities for students in early career to learn more about soft skills and non-geological aspects of working in the industry, which are so essential to a successful career. Yes, so I'm just going to pass the mic here to Chris Siren, another ECP committee member. I've been part of the Early Career Professional Committee since pretty much day one with uh, fellow member Duncan Proctor. We began this committee sort of as discussions that we had were brainstorming um, a number of years ago and just what we felt the SEG could provide to, to students and people that are just uh, graduating and going into the industry and just how we felt that we could, we could bring content to the greater SEG community and helping, helping people that, that are just graduating to help navigate the industry a little bit more seamlessly, learning from our mistakes and uh, trying to provide that experience to, to people that are coming up the ranks behind us. So that was, that was really the... the the goal originally, and I think over the past couple of years, we've achieved what we set out to do, but we've done so much more than what we ever imagined with starting these early career professional events at the SEG meetings and then collaborating with the uh, student, the SEG student chapters to help bridge that gap between students and more of the senior people within the mining and exploration industry. So yeah, I'm, I'm Giancarlo Daroch. I'm uh, the new com committee member. Basically, I think I, I, I'm impressed by the energy that the committee has now, and I'm very happy to participate. I think in my, in my early career, I, I got very good luck in, in terms of getting get field, field experience with, a, with very good geologists, and at some point got, got a mentor that walked me through on, on many years on my career. Uh, and I think that the early career professionals uh, sometimes don't, don't have that opportunity. So with this committee, if, we can, if I can support or I can help them, to, to try to improve their, their skills working here, that would be quite rewarding. So I have a question for all five of you, and I don't know who can answer it, but, but that is, how does anybody connect with you? How, if there are early career people, if there's somebody out there listening to this episode, how can they be involved? If you go on the SCG website, you'll find the Early Career uh, Committee page, and there is a link to an email address. I think it is ecp at scgweb.org. And if you send us an email, then we can get in touch. And that's actually how I personally started getting involved with the ECB committee. I didn't know any of its members prior to joining, and I basically just sent a little email send, saying I was interested, I liked what these guys were trying to accomplish, and here I am. I made new friends, I got to connect with people from various backgrounds, different countries. My network is so much uh, wider and diversified, so it's been very positive, and it's an easy thing to do. Just email us ecp at scgweb.org. Well, the conference has included the expertise of many of our early career uh, members, and we're really excited by how the whole thing has come together with everybody's involvement and the real team effort. We have five really big themes. So what I want to do now is go ahead and, and work through some of those themes and chat to theme leaders. One of the really important ones is Lindgren's legacy. And so I started off with a discussion with Andy Wurst, and Ross Sherlock, and they'll introduce themselves. They're both team leaders for this Lindgren's legacy. And we'll just get an idea of what does that mean and, and who was Lindgren? All right. Well, thanks, Anne. I'm, I'm Ross Sherlock. I'm the director of uh, the Mineral Exploration Research Center and the Metal Earth Project at uh, Laurentian University. Thanks, Anne. I'm uh, Andy Wurst from Barrick. I'm chief geologist for Project Generation Research and Innovation at Barrick. So, uh, yes, I guess uh, this year is 100 years for the SEG, and Lindgren was our one of our founding fathers and saw a real need for economic geology to be a core part of geology. 
So, you know, we're celebrating that by having a, a Lindgren session. And, you know, sorry, Lindgren was all about processes, processes at a variety of scales. He wasn't model-driven. He wasn't about what type of deposit it is. It was, it was really driven by the process. And that's really what we're trying to focus on is, is talks and presentations from keynote speakers, invited guests, and volunteer talks that are about processes at a variety of scales. Yeah, and I guess if you go back to some of his formative books, he was, he was always very enthusiastic about letting the description explain the processes and make really good description, good description science, which then informs the processes rather than having too much interpretation or too many, too many models. He was actually pre-model, if you like, and letting the rocks do the talking because all he had was his eyes and hand lens rather than all the fancy instruments we have today. And I guess one of the things we'd like to, what we'd like to showcase is that those observations and that observationary science is still very important to understanding process um, when we uh, have so many tools available to us. And it's and it's a variety of scales. You know, we're looking at uh, you know a craton scale, we're looking at basin scales, and we're working you know through full crustal scales with some of our speakers down to nanoscale and uh, crystallography and uh, petrography type of talks. A good example of Lindgren's thinking on geology is just his description of vein systems. He coined the terms for epithermal, mesothermal, and hypothermal. And if you look back at our models, we have scans, which is a Norwegian term for something I can't talk about, <laughs> and, uh, and or porphyries, which is confuses everyone because not every porphyry is a, related to a porphyry rock. But if you look at Lindgren's terms for those models, they're very process-driven. Epithermal meant shallow, low temperature. Mesothermal meant mid-level mid temperature and hypothermal deep. So he was thinking about process when he coined those models as the few models that we have that actually have a process applied to the model type. To lead off the session is Jean herself. She's going to give the opening presidential address, which will address not only Lindgren's history, but then she's going to use some of her own learnings from Nevada and the Carlin systems, taking it from the very big scale down to the mineralogical scale, which really speaks to the entire sort of section of what we're talking about. And Jean's uh, president of the SEG this year, so it's really good to have her lead that talk off. Yeah. Andy's going to talk about the distribution of ore deposits in space and time. We then have a, a basin analysis from... What's the name of he's, he's, from, he's from Halliburton, so his name's Andrew Davies, actually. He is a, the chief pro-generation geologist, and they have put together a massive amount of data to come up with a model for the Earth, and that's based on um, work by 120 different PhDs over the space of several or well, several decades now, I guess, of modelling, and he'll talk about the way they've reconstructed the planet to 650 million years, but not only in plate reconstructions, but in climatology and uh, redox in the oceans, just to understand how basins form and basin fertility, which is where we want to go with ore deposits, understand fertility and plumbing and trap regions. And then we have, you know, two emerging researchers. So we have Meg Stewart, who was a, a postdoctoral fellow with us at, at Metal Earth. We, she was working on a project we call Metal Oceans. And she was working in the, in the Lao Basin, looking at microplate formation. And it, it's one of the most active hydrothermal places in the world. And what the aspect of that project is to understand the metallogeny of Lao Basin and the seafloor and translate that to the Archean into the Abitibi, where we have very, very similar domains, microplates, and are we able to understand the processes in Lao Basin and translate that into some of the metallogeny in the Abitibi. So it's really an interesting project where we can take the modern ocean environment 
and translate that back to 2.7 billion years and understand the processes in the Abitibi. And, and Meg is, is somewhat unique in this in that she has a background both in mapping and she's actually just co-produced some of the first geological maps of the Lao Basin, which, it, which is really interesting. And, but she also has a background in mapping in the Archean rocks. So she really translates those two processes as well. And the, the maps that Meg's produced are, are amazing. I mean, before they were done, it was basically bathymetry of the ocean is all they had for that section. Now there's over 5,000 volcanoes, I think Mark Cannington said, mapped in that area with, with different structures, major structures, and it's all volcanology. You'd never dream. It goes back to the, the, you know, the thought that 70% of our planet is unknown and beneath the oceans. And I think that really speaks to Lindgren's legacy is that all these observations that are yet to be made that can inform processes in the Archean is, is, uh, is, is interesting to me. Yeah. And then we're going to pair that talk with uh, uh, an invited speaker with, with Kate Rubing, who is a postdoctoral fellow at Laurentian. And she's working on the Larder Lake area, one of the, the most gold-endowed pieces of the Abitibi. And she's going to be combining some of the deep seismic work, MT geophysics, gravity, magnetics, as well as a lot of new geoscience, and looking at what the geological and geophysical expression of these fault systems are and how these are relating to some of the processes that we envision to form you know, some of these really metal-rich areas. And combine that with some of the stuff to the north of Larder Lake, we're into the Ben Nevis group, where we have the, the same volcanic succession that we have in Naranda, but very little mineralization. So it's really comparing and contrasting those different styles of volcanic complexes and how they're relating to the, the metal endowment of those transects. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the main features we want to, to get across is that most of these talks will be in be volunteer talk. So we're really encouraging young researchers to present, you know, submit abstracts to, the, to this session and really want to highlight their work as well, not just the invited speakers. That's phenomenal. It's really tremendous to have that open access aspect to the conference. And it just sounds super exciting. It also sounds a really great place for the early careers and students to attend to where else would you get this kind of vision and understanding of the whole earth and the processes because we often get focused on details and we don't look at the big picture. So really excited. Is there any single thing you want people to remember about the, the you know, when they leave the conference, what do you think they'll take away from this session? I think that your observations and, and uh, making those observations and always thinking about the process that caused those observations to inform you as to uh, how the ore body got there and the footprints around that ore body to go forward and not to be too model driven, to force those observations into some pre-existing model. Right, so don't assign a genetic origin to something, record your observations in a way that you can go back and reassign the process to it once you start to figure things out. Yeah. That's awesome. And so it's kind of like game changers. Like, what does that mean to you? What is a game changer? Because I think it's one of the sessions that is a little harder to get your head around, maybe for some people or young people. What do you mean by a game changer? It's kind of a businessy sort of thing to say. And how can that relate to deposits or to science or technology or mm -hmm. like, what are these kind of things that you're talking about? After a few coffees early one morning at PDAC before 9 a.m., I managed to connect with Melissa Anderson. Melissa is from the University of Toronto, where she's an assistant professor specializing in volcanogenic massive sulfide deposits, and she's one of four theme leaders for another intriguing session. So Melissa, tell us what you're involved in. So our theme is called Game Changers. The idea is that this is the 100th anniversary of SEG, and we want to look at where we've come from, what have been the big paradigm shifts, new breakthroughs and discoveries, how we've changed, how we've done exploration. So it kind of goes along three different sub-themes. So what new discoveries have been made that have changed our understanding of ore deposits? What new technological advances have been made in terms of both research on ore deposits and on mining technology? And what kind of events have shaped 
how we've done mining. So, for example, Rex changed how we actually operate and do exploration. So it's a pretty broad theme, but it's really a look at a historical perspective of where we've come from and what's gotten us here to t- today and what challenges haven't been met yet. Wow, that's a big brief, <laughs> but it could be some really interesting material in that yeah. for sure. Yeah. So any idea who you might have, what, what you're going to cover? Yeah, so along those three themes, we have a number of different speakers that we're pretty excited about. So in terms of new discoveries and breakthroughs, one of our keynote speakers is Mark Hannington from the University of Ottawa, who will be talking about how the discovery of modern black smoker hydrothermal vents on the sea floor have changed our understanding of ancient VMS deposits on land. It was a pretty exciting discovery in the late 80s, and that's really given us a lot of new information about these kinds of deposits. On the more uh, technical side, we can also look at, from research, different technologies that have changed how we understand and research ore deposits. So, for instance, we have Holly Stein, who will be talking about applications of new dating technologies and how that's changed how we can actually look at deposits and how they've grown through time. We also have Zoltan Zayak. He's now at the University of Geneva talking about how experimental petrology and experimental high-temperature geochemistry has really helped us understand how metals move through these systems and given us some more quantitative constraints on how ore deposits grow. (laughs) Wow, that's Um, fantastic. It sounds like a great place for well, all of us to go and remind ourselves of where we came from and what has changed and that it is changing all the time. Mm -hmm. And also for the early careers and students to get a big picture of our science. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a early career female researcher in economic geology, and I'm also excited about the emphasis on diversity and getting some young speakers and other early career speakers in the session to give these kinds of review-style talks as well. One of the speakers I'm most excited about is Rebecca Motson. She's a PhD student at Laurentian, part of the Middle Earth program, and she is kind of what I would call a data wizard. So she takes a look not just at a mineral systems approach to deposits, but basically a systems approach. So looking at data and using a lot of computational approaches. And so she'll also be talking about how computational advances has changed how we're studying deposits and where we're going from there. So (laughs) there's a lot of really exciting speakers and they're going to be telling really interesting stories. Yeah, Rebecca's work is what you we might some of us would say is the current game changer that's happening that some people are recognizing and others are perhaps (laughs) striking their feet a little bit on. Yeah, Yeah, interesting, very interesting. And is there room for other papers, and how does that look in terms of programming? Yeah, we're really excited to get some people uh, to submit abstracts for the program who are really interested in giving a bit of a historical perspective or context leading up to the work that they're doing. So in a lot of conferences, you go in, there's a 30-second introduction before people jump into their current work. But what we're looking for is someone to give a bit more of a review before that so that we can have more of that context and basically put it all together. Um, (laughs) One um, of the things I'm really also excited about for this uh, session is that it's bringing together industry and research. So how new deposit discoveries have opened up new research inquiries or how new research developments have changed exploration and made new discoveries. So it's a neat session to combine both of those fields. Yeah, it is. It's big, it's huge, it's ambitious. And and we haven't done something like that before at an SEG meeting. So I think it's it's a departure from the normal and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So I appreciate all your effort on it. And and, yeah, (laughs) I'm excited for it too. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. 100 years. It's it's the time to do this session, right? To to say where have we come from? What have we done? Your basin at home drains typically in less than a minute. Easy to understand, right? And visualize? Sedimentary basins may be on the order of hundreds of kilometers across. So understanding their evolution through time and the mechanisms for ore deposition requires multidisciplinary teams to both research and explore. Yeah, I'm here again to talk to 
Brian Mahoney and Neil Fernandez about the Basins theme at the SEG 2020 conference and really interested to know what exactly they're going to include and what it's looking like and how it's shaping up. So I'm going to turn it over to Brian first and yeah, tell us, tell us what's going on. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Brian Mahoney. I've been teaching at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire for the past number of years. I specialize in sedimentation and tectonics, and I'm quite excited about this uh, basin study because the basin-derived mineral deposits are hugely important in the geologic record. My name is Neil Fernandez. I just recently completed my PhD at Queen's University, and my work has primarily involved understanding sediment-hosted zinc-lead deposits in Brazil in the Selwyn Basin. Sediments and sedimentary rocks host a lot of mineralization all over the world, in copper, zinc, lead primarily, but also important deposits with gold. So understanding how basinal processes work in conjunction with mineralizing processes will hopefully allow us to have a better understanding and how to explore more for these kinds of deposits around the world. A look at global mineral deposits demonstrates that a huge number of the mega deposits in the world, such as the Sullivan lead zinc deposit in the Belt Basin, the Red Dog deposit, the Mississippi Red Dog deposit in Alaska is a SEDEX shale-hosted deposit, the copper deposits of the Schiefer in the African Copper Belt, things like the MacArthur Basin. These are huge, massive deposits that have been studied for years, but there needs to be new analytical techniques used to understand the origin and evolution of these basins through time to guide further exploration models. So we're going to, we are presenting a, a symposium that's going to be looking at new techniques to examine these large historic historic and hopefully new mineral deposits. And I think what we're really hoping to accomplish now is to highlight the breadth of different ways that one can approach looking at basin-hosted mineral deposits, whether it be from tectonics and structure and, and environment and geoenvironment and through to things like paleo-redox conditions, which as we're learning now, are very important in, in, in developing the host rocks for many of these classic styles of mineralization. So what we're hoping for people to come out with when they see this is this, this particular session is to, to come out and say, oh, there's a new way that I can tackle or use to tackle the problems that I have in exploring within my particular sedimentary basin. There are a variety of new concepts in microbiology, geochemistry, variations in physiochemical conditions that are being attacked by different isotopic techniques, studies of provenance using detrital zircons and other techniques that haven't really been used in the past. We're hoping that these new techniques are going to give us uh, insight into how these basins form and how they develop through time, which is going to eventually guide uh, exploration models. So we're presenting a symposium entitled Basins Through Time, Linking Ore Processes, Linking Processes and Ore Systems. And we're subdividing that into three different themes, hopefully to highlight a bunch of new techniques. So the first approach is going to be this uh, is going to be a subtheme called new approaches and processes. Where we've got some speakers, Neil. So leading the charge as she has for the last 10, 15 years is Sarah Gleason. Sarah Gleason is the director of the of the GFZ in Potsdam, previously at the University of Alberta. And uh, what her work primarily in the Selwyn Basin in Canada and more recently in the MacArthur Basin in Australia is starting to understand the links between seawater paleo-redox conditions and the formation of what we're starting to use the term of sediment-hosted massive sulfide deposits rather than the word sedex or uh, uh, sedimentary exhalative. We are learning now that a lot of these styles of mineralization form uh, in di at different times during the evolution of a basin. So what she and her co-workers have gone, uh, started doing now is looking at non-traditional isotopic systems such as iron and molybdenum to understand the transient conditions that we previously haven't been able to resolve on the scale of a, of a basinal ore deposit formation. It's becoming quite clear that the interdisciplinary approach to basin analysis is going to be increasingly important as we develop, new as we develop and understand our deposits. A second theme we're going to use is we're going to do a deep dive into a number of different basins looking at different exploration models. And so we've got several people invited to give talks that are going to highlight different important basins, such as? And uh, such as the African Copper Belt. And you, David Broughton, a uh, world-renowned geologist behind one of the most important new sediment-hosted copper discoveries in the world, the Kamoa Kula Complex in, in Central Africa, in, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, We'll be talking about the various kinds and styles of stratigraphic, structural, and temporal settings that have resulted in the formation of the world's largest sedimentary copper district. It remains the most important base metal discovery of the last 10-15 years, in my opinion. The grades just keep on getting better, and the tonnage keeps on increasing. We're looking forward to hearing from Michael Gad, who's going to be talking to us about shale-hosted deposits, particularly the Richardson Trough, 
where he's taking a look at these uh, hyper-enriched black shale deposits and trying to understand their origin and evolution through time. Mike works at the, the Geological Survey of Canada as a postdoctoral researcher uh, and has gone on from, from working from his PhD in the Howard's Pass district of uh, the Selwyn Basin. And now his work is really sort of revising some of the models associated with new elements. I mean, elements that we never really thought of before, such as nickel and copper and other PGEs that might be found in these hyper-enriched shales. Applying sedimentologic techniques, especially sequence stratigraphy and sequence stratigraphy and new approaches to understanding sedimentary basins, is going to be highlighted by Marcus Kunzman, who's going to talk to us about his sequence stratigraphic work and understanding of the evolution of the MacArthur Basin. Marcus currently works for CSIRO in Australia, but he's also cross-appointed with the Northern Territory Geological Survey, where he's doing a lot of work in collaboration on understanding the kinds of settings and the depositional conditions of the MacArthur Basin. MacArthur River, or HYC, it remains uh, the world's biggest lead-zinc deposit that's currently mined by Glencore. The third theme we're going to approach is going to be secular variations in basin development through space and time. So we're very excited to hear from Fred Richards, who's going to be examining some new geophysical work that demonstrates that the boundary between the continental crust and oceanic crust is a significant guideline for targeting and understanding the position of major sedimentary basins through time. It represents something new, a new way for us traditionally to think about how structures evolve through time, what defines an important structure or a long-lived structure, the debate about when things are important and controlling things fluids ultimately depends on the, the permeable structures. So while the work that Fred's done has confirmed things that we've previously thought before, but now we can actually see these huge sections of the Earth's crust and where they sit in relation to A, structures and to pathways for fluids and, to, and then opening up the playbook for, for new ideas and new places to explore on big continents. We've also invited David Leach from the Colorado School of Mines to stop in and tell us something about secular, secular variations in mineral deposits, highlighting the role of evaporites, hydrocarbons, and other, and other features in sediment-hosted mineral deposits. The combination of the speakers that we've assembled and hopefully the, the volunteered abstracts we're going to have should give us a very broad understanding of the origin and development of mineral deposits through time in these sedimentary basins. And we're really hoping to highlight new developments and new approaches so we can understand how we can not only understand existing deposits, but find new deposits elsewhere on the surface of the earth. So these big picture stories where we're understanding the secular involvement, evolution of basins through time is, is really key to all of us. So maybe we can place our particular sedimentation, times of sedimentation into the context of what's going on around the world what's happening in the oceans, and really connecting the dots across the world for, for these types of deposits. We're really hoping that the themes we put together and the speakers that we've invited to join us in discussing these topics will encourage especially young scientists to join us and, and discuss new techniques that they're developing, through developing to help us understand how these sedimentary-hosted mineral deposits really work. And so what we're hoping for, and you know, in any particular submitted abstracts, we're looking for everything under the sun, really. So what we're also hoping to opening the playbook to other elements now. I mean, obviously with my gad, things like vanadium and nickel will become of interest. But really hope to see uh, the great scope of the work that's been done across the world on these types of deposits. So we encourage you to take a look at the website, take a look at our description of the session, and please join us for an excellent meeting in September 2020. Exactly. exactly. September 2020. Yep. 2020 vision. Now here we come. Okay. Thanks very much. I really appreciate that. That's an amazing overview and very exciting for September. Can't <laughs> avoid the escalators here. <laughs> They're just everywhere. We met Chris Siren earlier in the episode as part of the Early Career Professionals Committee. He's one of four theme leaders for the structure session as well. He's a structural geologist, of course, with a background in exploration and he also recently graduated with a PhD from Cornell University. His focus there was on understanding a carbonate replacement system in northern Greece. But he also has a background in geological engineering and economic geology from the Colorado School of Mines. So you might wonder, with all this diverse experience, what is Chris doing now? What am I doing now? Do you have a job? <laughs> I do. I work as an independent consultant for the mining and exploration industry. Currently, I'm um, working with Eldorado Gold on their Sigma Lamac concessions in Quebec. And we're right now just uh, trying to understand some recent discoveries that we've made on the property. 
we're just going to catch up on the structure theme. And I actually, you're going to have to remind me, Chris, exactly with the full name. Do you remember the full name of your theme? I have it in front of me, okay. actually. <laughs> so for the SEG 2020 Vision Conference, the structure theme title is Ore Deposit Structure, Processes, Patterns, and Innovations. Interesting. Okay. I'd like to hear more because I'd like to hear how those three things come together in this theme. Okay. Well, just as an overview, the session aims at examining the structural controls on ore deposit location. Also, the architecture, the structural architecture of regions and, and deposits, as well as depositional processes. Post-ore modification of ore deposits fits into these themes. And through the implementation of traditional and innovative structural techniques, we'll be examining how ore body forms at various scales, from crustal scale down to various other scales where we would find ore deposits. Right, right. That's, no, it's, it's a good and important theme. And it's interesting because I don't think SEG has had anything quite like it for a while that has that focus. Right. And that's, that's what we are aiming to do is to bring to the SEG conference a focused theme on structural geology and have it a way that's accessible to the broader SEG community. And hopefully we'll get a lot of attention with this structure theme. There's three, three different sub themes that we'll be presenting on. So hopefully that attracts the attention of people in various parts of mining and exploration geology. So it'll be easy for all of us, you know, neophytes to understand. That is that is the goal. <laughs> okay. We want it we I'll want it we want it to be we want it to be engaging and accessible and by doing the multiple sub themes, we hope that we can cast a wide net and catch a lot of people's attention. Sounds good. How, you know, how's it looking for who might be there and and speaking in the session? Well, we have the uh, everyone that we've reached out to confirmed. So for right now, I will uh, just say that we have three keynote speakers. And of these three keynote speakers, they fall into each of the three subcategories, which I can talk about in a minute. But our first session, we'll have Stephen Cox. Uh, he'll be uh, talking about more of the ore deposit processes, structural controls on ore deposit location and architectures. Uh, second, we'll have Tom Bleckensop. He'll be presenting more on the more local structural controls on ore deposition. And then finally, for our third sub-theme, we have Anna Fonseca, who will be discussing more of the innovations and applications towards s structural problems. Excellent. Yeah, so do you have, there'll be room for other people as well to submit to the, your session? Absolutely. The, the session will be open for uh, abstract submission, and we'll have spots available for talks, poster sessions, and that's something that we're encouraging anyone to submit to. If they feel like they have a, a topic that's of interest, we want to hear about it. Excellent. So, Chris, can you fill us in exactly on these sub-things? I'm particularly interested in the innovation one, but let's work through them and, and, yeah, give me a little more information. Right. So, for the first theme that we have planned, it will review the patterns and processes that control different ore deposit types. This will include the structural creation of permeability in fault-hosted and magmatic hydrothermal systems in particular. And then we'll have, the, this, this theme will also continue on with deformation effects and base metal deposits, and as well as links between st structural controls and depositional processes. So that's our mm -hmm. first theme. Our second sub-theme will focus on deposits and districts, illustrating the structural controls on ore deposit types at the deposit and uh, district scales. And then finally, uh, our final sub-theme, the one that you're interested in, We'll be addressing the practical structural applications to ore deposit exploration and, and understanding. And this will largely focus on innovative methods. This includes structural applications uh, such as 3D geological resource modeling, as well as oriented core best practices. 
We also want to have talks that discuss uh, linking alteration models to structure, as well as applications of uh, 3D imagery and structural or or interpretations of ore deposits. And I, I should also mention the final thing in the sub-theme that we hope to have some discussion about is structural controls on grade distribution within ore bodies, which is something that is really critical for the economics of any mine. Absolutely. Yeah. And that innovative part is interesting because really what you're meaning there is that you're adding value to the mining process and to absolutely. the development. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And it's very critical that we all understand structural geology, at least at the fundamental level so that we can apply these practices in a way that adds value. We don't ever want to hear anybody in a talk saying, well, there's a billion tons and so structure doesn't matter. That is correct. Yeah, we want to, we want to steer away from that as an industry and we want to be an industry of, of geologists who understand structure and I think this session will be a step in that direction. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Anne. So we're here actually at PDAC in Toronto, but we're looking forward to the SEG 2020 conference in September, which is a grand celebration of a century of discovery and also sessions to look forward to the future and our science in the future. But one of the big themes that we're really excited about is the gold session. Two of the theme leaders are here with me now, Tim Baker and Rich Goldfarb, and we're going to let them tell us what they think it's going to be like and who's going to be coming and give us a, a good preview of that session. So, Tim? Thanks, Anne. Yep, so the, the gold session is called Gold 2020, Golden Past, Precious Future. And I guess the way we've put it together is to try and look at the fundamentals of, of gold and where we're at in terms of the science currently. And then following on from that sort of fundamentals, um, we're going to be talking about gold deposits and gold belts and particularly the really um, well-endowed global gold belts um, that host the, the major deposits around the world. And uh, I've got myself, uh, Rich Goldfarbs, one of the theme teams, and he's here with me. Um, and Rich, this is kind of linked into the Gold 2020 volume as well. Which uh, the Gold 2020 volume will be released at the uh, conference. It's going to be similar to the very successful copper volume that SEG put out a few years ago. And many of the contributors to the volume will also be speaking in our session. So I guess, Rich, you're going to sort of uh, open up the talks at the conference and sort of do an overview of where we're at and our understanding of gold deposits currently. What's, what sort of things are you going to pull on into, into that talk? Well, I'm going to try to bring in a lot from the book. Uh, the volume we're putting together is our current understanding of gold deposits with contributors from academia, from industry, from government. And the volume is being edited by Dick Silito, Francois Robert, Stuart Simmons, and myself. And really, since gold, 20, uh, since gold 2000, this is the first gold-only volume that SEG's put together. And we're going to look at some of the present concerns and exploration, some of the challenges today, the need to look undercover to meet the global demand for gold, which is exceeding global production by about a 1,000 tons per year, and some of the key issues in our science to help us better discover new deposits. That sounds um, really exciting. And, and I know we're sort of pulling in a couple of key people to, to talk about some of the major gold belts of the world. We've got Benoit Dubay, who's coming in to talk on the Abitibi. And, you know, from being from El Dorado, and we've recently got into the Abitibi through deposits in Sigma Lamac area triangle. There's a lot of activity there at the moment. So it'd be great to get from Benoit the sort of latest updates on, on what the understanding of that that region is now and i guess yeah he's he's putting a major paper into the into the volume yeah he's putting a major paper on the abitibi his talk will also be the uh, he's the distinguished lecturer for seg for next year so this will be the seg distinguished lecture and i should say for the volume we have talks on major deposits and major districts from around the world on each of the uh, six continents where there's mining, as well as like uh, Benoit's uh, presentation. We have talks on regions. In the volume, we're going to have uh, 
not just the Abbot Tibby. We have uh, leading workers from industry, working with workers from academia, discussing the Carlin province, the East Goldfields of Australia, the uh, Barimian of Africa, the Vitz issue, the Vitz Basin there, the Siberian Plasses, which is really unique to get into the gold volume, and also the Jiaodong uh, province of China, which is China's largest gold producer and produces about 4% of the world's gold each year. So as far as regional talks go, we have some great uh, regional talks in the volume, and some of these hopefully will come through yeah. in our session. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Lynette Grayling's going to be talking about some of the West African gold systems. We've got some great individual deposit talks. We've got a talk on Pretium's Bruce Jack deposit from BC, which obviously with a BC conference, it's great to get that that talk in there. We've got another one from Stefan de Sousa on, on Malartic. That's the biggest gold producer in, in Canada right now. So we're really trying to pick up these these big gold deposits and get that out as part of the of the conference. We've also got one of the sort of leading companies in Canada at the moment with Kirkland Lake Gold talking about Fosterville. And, and that's a really interesting story relating to the originally sort of lower grade sulfide and then suddenly discovering this really high grade uh, orogenic system in, in Victoria. Now, I think the deposits you're mentioning, it's exciting to have these in the session because if you look at the recent scientific literature and you look at some of the papers, especially in economic geology the last few months, we've had a lot of advances on Fosterville come out in the journal. The Canadian Initiative, the research program being done in Canada, has a dozen or more really great papers on Canadian malarctic, mm-hmm. and so it'll be great to have Stefan put all that, Stefan to put all that together and give us the present thinking and summary of all that research. Yeah, I think the the work that the Merck Group and the um, Metal Earth are doing on on you know big seismic transects through through the Abitibi and Superior Province and and re- linking that back to this uh, meeting is really exciting with the conference as well. But I guess I do also want to stress that. You know, there's still lots of space in the program. So there's oral talks still available. There's the posters and speed talks. We really want to see a, a diversity in, in presenters from, from industry, academia, um, government, um, just telling us what the, what the latest ideas are and where the excitement is in, in gold deposits at the moment. And, I, you know, I also want to ca- encourage um, students to submit abstracts. In fact, we've got an invited speaker, Ariadne Giorgetto, and she's from the University of Geneva. She's been doing some really interesting research relating to gold and copper fertility in, in porphyry systems, looking at sulfide melt inclusions. So not only are we sort of pushing the, the orogenic side, we really want to talk about gold being introduced into magmatic hydrothermal systems and I think as part of both the fundamental science and and key papers on on magmatic hydrothermal gold systems it will really sort of broaden the program and and create a lot of interest I think. Yeah no I, I fully agree students make these things exciting we get new ideas and besides you and I, I know our co-chairs, Elizabeth Holly and Lynette Grayling, are also looking around and trying to twist some arms and get some more student involvement in this session. And hopefully we can encourage some of the best students working on gold to be there. It sounds like a, a really great session. And I'm really impressed with the work that the team has done to pull what what you've got together now and looking forward to what comes in out of the who knows kind of open access part which is fantastic also i'll just throw one question at you so what what role do you think gold's going to play in the future of economic geology well i certainly think it has to play a major role because the world is changing the BRIC countries especially china and india are getting wealthier and wealthier and traditionally they don't go with hard currency they want gold and as loss for the last 20 30 years as that wealth has increased the world's demand has exceeded world production anywhere from a thousand to 1200 tons a year so as long as the world's changing and we're all becoming a global economy I think the demand will always be there for gold, and I think in our industry, gold is always going to be a leading expenditure and exploration and critical. 
Yeah, and I think looking to the future, there's some really interesting developments in terms of research on processing techniques. There's groups out of Australia now who are looking at non-cyanide leaching techniques. So I think the the industry as a whole is moving to much more greener uh, approaches. Yep, so the the gold session is called Gold 2020, Golden Past, Precious Future. And I really do think it has a great future with these new developments. Thanks for joining us for this very first episode in the SEG Sequent Partnered Discovery to Recovery podcast. I'm Ann Thompson, along with your hosts, Nicole Doucette and Hallie Keeble. Please join us next week for an episode on Basins Through Time. And remember, registration for the conference is open now. The SEG members you heard today, plus a whole lot more, are working hard to create a great event. For more updates and details, please visit seg2020.org. You can access all our episodes on segweb.org slash podcasts. And be sure to follow Sequent Global and the SEG on Twitter, LinkedIn, and other social media channels to get notified when the next episode comes out early in the week of May 4th. This podcast was produced by Ann Thompson, and the theme music is Confluence by Eastwind.